Emily Snyder loves collecting experiences and loves inviting people to take their thinking one step deeper than usual. With a teacher heart, she graduated from BYU with a degree in elementary education. From there, Emily has had a variety of professional chapters in her life. She's taught 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, worked for the Church of Jesus Christ General Relief Society presidency, helped run Professor Clayton Christensen's world at the Harvard Business School, was the chief of staff at Magnolia, Chip and Joanna Gaines's company in Waco, Texas, and was president at Established Design, a gorgeous interior design company. Currently, Emily is consulting with various organizations and is a senior product manager for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Today, Emily and I get to really dive deep into what the story brand is all about. It's a philosophy that has helped countless businesses get really clear on who they are and exactly what they offer to others, including our own Mint Arrow brand. Today, as you listen, try to really incorporate what Emily is teaching into whatever organization you're involved in, whether that's your business or your family or your church community or even yourself as an individual and what you uniquely bring to this world. Hey, Emily, I'm so excited to talk to you today. Same. You know, I just, I have to tell my audience how I totally fangirled when I met you. And I was like, this is going to sound weird slash creepy slash embarrassing, but I've been wanting to meet you for like a few years now. And Emily, and I was you, so stunned. And so like, mm, I think you have the wrong person. <laughs> nope. You were so gracious and wonderful about it, but I meant it. I really did because... I had heard your story. I had heard so many wonderful things that came from you that I was like, I've got to meet this girl. So it was such a treat when Emily Bell Freeman brought us together and we ended up in the same place in the spring this year. Yeah. 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 And it was just, just crazy that it was yeah. just so many, just a couple months ago. Yep. And it's just been so wonderful to learn from you. And so for anyone who isn't familiar with you, can you give us a little bit of background on who you are and what you've done in your life. That's going to be hard to put it in a, in a small, short amount of time, but cause you've done so many things, but yeah. Yeah. So I'm the oldest of five kiddos grew up in a couple different places, California, Utah, overseas in Hong Kong for a little bit. And my whole life thought that marriage and family was the ultimate success story. And I still feel that way. And as I got older and older and marriage was not happening and I'm working with a therapist to figure out how to increase my dating skills, <laughs> but trying to figure out like, okay, what do I do with this one life? I had a lot of beautiful opportunities interacting with, I was a school teacher for a lot of years. Then I worked for the General Relief Society organization for the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, which was fascinating. And I only mention it because... I went from teaching low-income school and seeing everyday real life on that scale and then going to a worldwide organization thinking about women and their impact and their roles across the entire world. So it was this massive to go back to back to those experiences was so formative, which I hadn't realized to go from thinking about everyday individual human beings and then how do you think on a large scale strategy and how do you create things that will impact those everyday lives. So after working with that organization, I missed teaching. So I went back and taught for another couple of years and then decided I just needed a whole new life change. And I packed up my car 
packed up on my things, crammed everything in my car and drove to Boston because I just had this sense that Boston would be a place I would love to be. And wow. I didn't have a job. <laughs> I, job. I had tried, but I was just like, it's time to get out of Dodge and I, I need a new adventure. So found a random job with a really great little startup. And then because I tried to get a job in Boston, ended up some connections ended up coming to fruition. And I was invited to an interview to support Clayton Christensen at the Harvard Business School, which was a complete game changer for my entire world. So pretty monumental is going from teaching to this worldwide organization and that mind blowing experience there. Then to get to work with Clay Christensen, who was a top business thinker for numerous years, has written so many books that has changed the way businesses think and run. And I got to have that in my everyday life as a classmate. Students at Harvard Business School would say, you do realize that we pay a really high price to pay tuition to get one class with him and you get paid <laughs> to spend your whole life with him. And I was like, I do recognize I'm getting the sweet end of the deal here. And he is truly a life changer for people who have never met him. I mean, his books have truly changed my life too. And I know I've told you this story, but... For anyone who doesn't know how big of a deal Clayton Christensen is, if you read one of his books, they'll change your life. And I had an opportunity once to meet him. I was with our friend, our mutual friend, Lizzie Jensen, and we were going to church in the New York building that has the New York Temple, the Manhattan Temple. We happened to be together that day and he walked in the room and she just was like losing her mind, so excited, totally fangirling. And I was like, who is this? Clayton Christensen. She was so excited. And I was like, great, you should go meet him. (laughs) So she went over and shook his hand and acted like she had just almost met Jesus or something. And I just was like, I don't know why that was such a big deal to you, but sure. And then a couple of years later, I read The Power of Everyday Missionaries and it changed my life. And then How Will You Measure Your Life as well. So now, I mean, he would be at the top, top, top of my list of people who I would love to meet. But unfortunately, he's passed away now. But anyway, funny that I once had an opportunity to meet him and totally blew it because I didn't know (laughs) how incredible, how much he would change my life down the road. Well, and I mean, and he's that. I mean, he one of my favorite things, he's he was six foot eight. And so really, I don't remember that in different hallway or doorways. And yeah. when people would want to take a picture with him, he'd always kneel down so oh, wow. that it wasn't, he wasn't towering and he'd have him put their <laughs> arm on his shoulder and kind of make it look like they were taller than him and bigger than life. And wow. Which just epitomizes who, who he was and the impact and influence that he had. So knowing that that's who that man is. And I, he poured into me and saw something in me that I didn't know existed. Then I, I didn't know that I had big dreams until then. I, my mom is a masterful mother and she loves mothering. So as the oldest, I want to be my mom and she had such contentment being a mother. That was my life goal. And then realized, oh, there's more, (laughs) there's more things that somebody can do with their life. And Clay introduced that to me and introduced so many conversations. And so I went from working with him to getting my MBA at the Columbia Business School in Manhattan. Game changer in all the ways possible. Needed an internship, realized I wasn't competing with my classmates who were all 25, 26, 28. 
going into consulting, but that I could create my own journey and reached out to Chip and Joanna Gaines company, Magnolia in Waco, Texas, because I was so enthralled with their ability to make home and family socially acceptable again in the world and wiggled my way in. (laughs) They didn't have internships, but somebody taught me how to be an efficient and effective cold caller and patiently. So I worked there for a summer, went back after I finished my MBA program and was there for a handful of years in Waco in in, during COVID as a single female got a little strenuous and was like, if the world's ending, I'm not doing it here. So yeah, I moved back to Utah and have been doing some fun adventures since then. And like I said, when I met you and said, well, what are you doing now? And you told me, I was like, well, yeah, once you've worked for Clayton Christensen and Joanna Gaines, the only, <laughs> the only way up is working for Jesus. So right. <laughs> that's what you're doing now. Yeah. So. Yep. I have a little consulting company and then um, work full-time for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So, so awesome. Well, so now I'm really interested in where you found an interest or was introduced to StoryBrand. Where did that come into your story? Yeah, so good. So two two parts of it. One of them is really core. Clay taught and is it continued teaches a theory called jobs to be done. And it's about this concept of we all hire is the language or we pull in products or services because we're trying to accomplish something in our life. We're, we're trying to progress. We're trying to overcome something. When organizations can figure out why people are, what they're actually trying to accomplish, it's so much easier to build products and services around that. Tricky part is people don't know what they are. So we basically expect an organization to figure it out for us because we, we don't want to think that deep. So I was so intrigued with that theory for so long working with Clay and the team that kind of created that. When I was working at Magnolia, somebody brought in the conversation of StoryBrand and brought in a facilitator. We had executive meetings trying to answer some of these concepts in the framework. And one of the biggest components of StoryBrand is a problem to be solved, which aligns so perfectly with jobs to be done. And I loved that StoryBrand flushed out a couple of the components to be able to have companies and organizations really tell a fruitful story. So, and how and why it actually creates that accomplishment for individuals. It was Clay and Magnolia (laughs) that made me specifically Magnolia. I introduced, I was introduced to the framework, Mm -hmm. but the deep problem solving stuff was from Clay. So cool. And sometimes I feel like when things happen or things show up in your life more than once, you're like, okay, 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 the Lord really wants me to learn this. Mm -hmm. I see a pattern here. So that's really cool that it showed up in a couple places in your life. So then, then what did you do with it? Yeah, great question. So when I came back to Utah, I was working for an interior design, beautiful company here. And it was one of the tools that I brought to the organization and saying, what is it that we're trying to accomplish? And can we answer these, these questions from the story brand to really identify who our character is? What is the problem? Why would they hire us to help them solve that problem? Who is the guide that is going to help us along that pathway? And how do we set ourselves up? Not as the experts, but as the guide. So just all these different components. And because I was asked to help this organization really 
transform and rethink about how they're interacting with their community. So it was instantly the tool that I want to pull in. And as I continued having other conversations with other organizations, as I left that and created this little consulting firm was feeling like that is such a huge piece of the equation that smaller companies and larger companies get going and and don't remember. It just was coming up over and over and over again. And so I finally was like, that's it. I'm going to do the licensing. I'm going to do the course and I'm going to be certified to be a guide. That's so awesome. Okay. So for anyone who's listening to this and they're like a story brand, what is that? Let's give just a general overview of what the core aspects of the story brand are. Perfect. So if you were to think in your mind of a favorite story, what would be one of your favorite stories? Well, I, this is cheating because I've read the book, but I thought, <laughs> but I thought of Star Wars because okay. I know that's one of their. Yeah, that's examples. one of them. So let's do another one for okay, just for kicks and giggles. Okay, let's see a favorite story. Can we use Little Women? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a mutual love of ours. A mutual love of the story. Yes, love it. Okay, so let's think about it. So, an epic story has a couple elements. It's got a character, the main mm-hmm. character. Yep. That character is always going to be wrestling something. And it usually is on multiple levels. So there's usually like a very physical or tangible problem that they're trying to solve. But then there's also an undercurrent of a feeling or an internal struggle that they're trying to solve. Right. That oftentimes that tangible and physical problem is almost a symptom of, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word. And then there's just kind of an, a deeper like fight for justice mindset. Like, how am I, how is this character showing up to like be a champion to save the day in some sort of a fashion? So there, all those things are happening, but there may be one particular, that physical problem that they're struggling with or something they're trying to progress in. That's really that front of mind issue at the moment. And in this wrestle, when they meet a guide that or meet somebody that has actually overcome or accomplished what they're trying to accomplish, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, well, you've actually done what I'm trying to do. So I want to follow you. Like, yeah. what did you do in a certain situation? Okay, so let's think Little Women. Yep. Even though there's many characters who would be our main character in Little Women. Joe is the main character. Joe is our main character. Yep. What are some of, I mean, the beautiful part of Little Women, you can see a couple of them, but like, there's a lot of tangible ones. So let's choose one tangible thing. Okay. So, I mean, I thought of the struggle. Well, when you said justice, I definitely thought of women's rights. That's, Mm -hmm. that's a big theme as far as she Mm -hmm. wants to make it big. She wants to use her gifts and talents, but she also realizes that as a woman, she's not going to be taken as seriously as if she were to hide behind the name of a man. Totally, totally. Whether you're thinking about the book or the movies or whatever, who might be a guide to her that was somebody that was perceived in a lower, was perceived not as glorious as they could have and should have been perceived. I'm thinking Professor Bear. Yes, yes. I thought of him. I thought of her parents, mm-hmm. her dad, who, mm-hmm. yeah, her dad who had opportunities to do more, but chose to put his effort and 
his fortune, I don't know how yeah. big of a fortune, into schooling and helping yeah. others. Yeah. So. And Mommy, like all three of them are interesting characters as guides because yes. they all came from a place because Professor Bear is German. He was really grand in Germany and was so well respected, but chose to come to America and then was destitute and kind of the lowest rung. Right. So all three of those are characters that are not perceived as powerfully as they could have and should have been perceived. So they're all three guides in certain ways to show how to have impact and influence, even though it may not be exactly what she thought it was going to look like. She didn't end up hiring anybody that was a female that was making it big. But there were these other guides that help her overcome. And then when it comes to organizations, for example, if we're going to think about the Winona writer movie, mm-hmm. it's Professor Bear that encourages her to write the story of their life. Right. In that mindset, he gives her a plan of how to actually accomplish what she's trying to accomplish. That's a huge part of the story brand is having to guide help give you the next steps on how to accomplish. And those guides also have to keep reminding you of what your ultimate success is and what failure is. So those are the main elements. So there's a character, there's a problem, there's a guide or guides, a multiple that then give you a plan of attack, then motivate you or encourage you to call to action. And those guides are constantly reminding you what success looks like to keep going and encourage you but then also what failure looks like if you choose to stop. I think one of my favorite parts as I talk to organizations is the articulation of what their product offering is. Mm -hmm. Do they actually know what the product is and does it actually help somebody overcome a specific problem? Right. And how do the individuals in that organization or their organization itself set themselves up as a guide, not the end all expert, but a guide that has authority for having already accomplished whatever that is and is very approachable because the powerful part of a real guide is that you have to feel comfortable to break down. You have to be able to say, this is really hurting. I can't do this and know that the guide is not going to belittle you or make fun of you, but it's also not going to pacify you Mm -hmm. and is going to push you to be like, okay, but this is what we're going for. So those are, that was probably a longer snapshot, but that's kind of the essence. So not under, like not having clear answers for each one of those components of the story makes the rest of the, the organization and the marketing and the, all of it really tricky. Right. But I think when the answers are articulated, it's almost like you fill out the pantry and, or can make so many different resources and materials based on, oh, we're going to focus on the character and the problem, or we're going to talk about the guide and the character. And like, you can just just do this mixing matching of all these different components. Yes. And you mentioned a minute ago too something about an internal struggle and that that's a big part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let me use jobs to be done to talk about that part because so jobs to be done mindset is it is not this like you may think you're just grabbing a candy bar because you want something sweet, but there's always a deeper 
conversation happening. Yeah. There's, there's a reason why you chose that candy bar. So one of my favorite examples by his name is Bob Mesta. And he's actually the brainchild of this theory that he gave it to Clay to say, you teach it, you go do with mm-hmm. it. So Bob is still alive and well has the most amazing mindsets of life. But he, when this was all beginning, he was helping the Mars Corporation figure out how to sell more Mars bars or Snickers bars. Like he was kind of mm. there in this conversation and he was on a flight. It got delayed. And this was like in the eighties. So go backwards before there were energy bars or yeah. protein drinks or all these like instant foods. And he noticed at the convenience stand that most every Snicker bars was gone, hmm. but there were plenty of Mars bars. So it was like fascinating what's happening. So he started going up to all the people eating Snickers bars and saying, why did you buy the Snickers bar? And they're like, well, I'm hungry. The flight got delayed. I'm not going to get in until late. And so by the time I get in, dinner's over, I'm not going to make it. And I'm, I know I'll, I'll be hungry. So just kept asking more and more questions, but, but why a Snickers bar? Why not a Mars bar? Why not a Kit Kat? Like, what was it about this choice that that's what you made? more and more conversations coming out. Well, it's got peanuts and it's got, it's got a really gooey nugget and the caramel, like I'm chewing it a really, like it's a full bite and I've got to constantly chew it. So it feels like a little bit of a meal. And he just kept talking to more and more people and asking deeper and deeper questions and going, well, tell me more, tell me more to explain that. Eventually there came the campaign of Snickers Satisfies because Mm. it was the aha of, this is actually a meal replacement. So people, even though it's lined up on a candy bar grouping, are actually buying it for the hangry moments and that mm-hmm. this is going to satisfy me, which then turned into changing the the recipe of Snickers bars. So there's more peanuts. It's a thicker nugget. So it's so it could accomplish that why people were hiring it or pulling it into their life even more efficiently. A Mars bar, on the other hand, feels like a cloud. Most yeah. people hire or buy or pull in a Mars bar when they're on cloud nine, you know, and you just want to feel like you're light and fluffy. So that internal struggle is this really interesting, like it happens in a split second and you are rarely ever conscious of it. So it's this deeper, deeper, deeper conversation. Another example, CVS Minute Clinic. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you if you're familiar with those those like little doctor's offices in CVS stores. Yes, kind of bizarre. Like they were trying to do this hybrid of things. Bob interviewed me one day and was like, "Why? Why did you go to the Minute Clinic the other day?" And I was like, "So we did an hour long, almost therapy session for me to articulate why I was going to the Minute Clinic." Mm-hmm. And he kept just asking, why, 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 why not this? Why didn't you do this? What could you have done, but chose not to? So why didn't you do that? Turns out I was looking for my mom as a substitute. I was looking oh. for CBS to be my substitute mom. I was living far away mm-hmm. and I didn't feel good. And I was looking for somebody to give me permission to say I was sick enough to cancel my life <laughs> and all the details of life. Yeah. But I didn't want to, I didn't know if I was so sick that I needed to deal with the annoying doctor's office because as hard as they try, there's a lot more people I have to deal with. 
Yeah. Oftentimes the receptionist ladies aren't, or men aren't the nicest when I'm feeling and minute clinic, I don't have to talk to anybody. So I needed my mom to tell me how sick I was. And if I had to suck it up and go to the doctor's office or yep, you're sick enough to come to me, which means you're sick enough to cancel your life. So it gave me permission to stay home. So that's this like random internal struggle that I never in a million years could have articulated except somebody asked me for an hour straight. <laughs> Why? So that's where when it's a lot like story brand, jobs, whatever you want to do, takes a lot of deep dive, having to take a step back and really articulate why. And oftentimes it's hard to do as your own company. Oftentimes sure. you need the external or other team members to say, well, why did you join this? Right. Do deep dives with them because... It's so subconscious in us that we don't even know how to say it. Anyway. That makes so much sense. I remember when we sat down to talk about some of the things, some of the things that came out about our brand and why Mint Arrow what what it does for people and why and what they're looking for and what problem it solves. Some of the things that surfaced, I was kind of surprised about, but yeah. it is really revealing and helpful for everyone working for the company to have that clarity. And it's like a step beyond just what's our mission statement. Right, right. Because I don't choose my makeup by their mission statement. I don't choose what clothes I wear by their mission right. statement. I want to make sure that I align to it if it's that important to me. But really, at the end of the day, we're just trying to get our stuff done on our to-do lists, the most efficient, most um, effective possible. So those are nice to-dos, but that's not why I'm going to buy something from an organization. It's because they help me do what I'm trying to accomplish better and faster and more efficiently. So and maybe this is too much to ask, but I'm super curious for a brand like Magnolia that's huge, that does so much. It's like they have cookbooks and a cooking show and a network and they are known for shiplap and they redo people's homes. And, you know, they have now they have the big whatever it's called, the like market thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all the silo marketplace. Silo. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have all this stuff. So it's like with somebody that's just that m- much of a giant then how do you, what is their thing? If you had to like pick something that's pretty basic, that's like, okay, this is what they are or what they do or how they solve Mm -hmm. someone's problem. Yeah. My language is that all the things that were created at and from Magnolia were opportunities to step into a different land to see home in a different way. There's Mm -hmm. a restaurant because... You want to, Joe wants to host you, but she can't host you at her house. So she made you a restaurant so that you could partake of the food that she would cook for you if you showed up at her table, which is 100% real. If you want to go see how Joe's going to decorate your house or what product she's excited about, like you would if you went to her house to go hang out with her, mm-hmm. she provided you the market and the show um, and all the little shops to say, these are the clothes I'm loving right now. These are the pens I'm loving right now. These are the clothes I'm getting crew right now. Like if you were to walk in and get a different sense of home, that's what you're going to experience with the Magnolia brand. 
the books, the magazines, all of it is to say, let me invite you to experience home in a different way and home in an idealized way that like nobody lives that way every day. But let me, let us invite you to step into a a different kind of home and give you tips and tricks and resources and furniture so that you can take a piece of that into the home that you're creating with your family to have it be meaningful and a different kind of home. I love that. And it feels true. It feels right as you're explaining it in that vein where it's not just all these random things. Mm -hmm. It really does all connect to one idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's so cool. And then there's no, I mean, I, there's no wrong way to do that home, but there, we all have a very similar ideal of home, which is why I think little women, <laughs> let's go on the little women cook, but like epic stories have power because there's something that rings true to all of us. And I yes. think that's one of the magical pieces of Magnolia was that it was one of the first to actually remind us in our modern day in a different mindset of like, wow, this is a beautiful Korean woman who's married to a cowboy, a Texas cowboy. We love that, the melding of cultures. We love to see them be real. And we love that they're investing in their family, but they're also investing in home. That that instantly gives us permission to do the same. And that, oh, it's okay to value those things again. And not just for the looks, not just to like make it cute, but because we're creating experiences with our families. I love that. Okay, now I want to jump to a different example that I was trying to, we were trying to unpack this at our last team meeting because the book kind of brushes on it, but they don't fully unpack it. And that is the success story of Apple. So, and the reason why we were trying to unpack it too is because it was super fresh on my mind because I had just watched the Ashton Kutcher version of Mm. Jobs. Have you seen it yet? I haven't. Okay. So it's actually really fascinating, but it kind of just shows him building up and then unraveling and then coming back. And the where where StoryBrand comes in is they talk about how when he got super clear and cut out so much of the fluff about what Apple was going to provide to people then it took off. Then it was right. it went from being like the nerdy computer lab, what you see in school, to being the ideal thing that everybody wants to have in the palm of their hand. Yes. So I think there's so much of that. Of I don't know if you remember their first marketing, some of those first marketing campaigns with the iPods. Do you remember this? That it was kind of like they were all bl- they were black blackened out characters on colored backgrounds. Yes, I and do they remember had that. the only thing they had unique to them is that they had headphone. They had the mm-hmm. cord of their headphone, and you could identify. And they were dancing, or whatever. They instantly made technology and electronics accessible, and created materials that combined all of the people's all all of our pain points. And did a jobs to be done analysis, like in one of the books about Steve Jobs talks about like this disruptive innovation mindset of like technology, when it overshoots what consumers can receive, they've lost. So it always has to be consumable. Like people, it can't get smarter. People can't feel like it gets smarter than them. They have to be very, it has to be very resonant and understandable identifying, yeah, who is the character? The character will never be Apple, ever. The character is you and me. 
And the problem is I've got all these tools and resources. How do I actually make my life simpler? Oh, I do that by buying Apple products. I can have all these moments. I can stay on top of all the things and I can be the cool kid. All All these jobs that I'm wanting to hire and accomplish in my life, now I can do it all on my phone or I can do it with these devices. Oh, and these devices talk to each other. Like all those pieces, then all of a sudden their character and the hero of their story changed that it was no longer the company. It was about a me and a you. Right. I think from what I recall, like his world at Pixar, when he was at Pixar for a long time, like realized the power of the story and the power of the hero. Yes. And And don't you think that's, that's like what so many people accidentally get wrong, right? They make it about themselves. Like I'm the hero. Look at me. You want to be like me because I'm the hero. And totally. It's, it's like a really thinking. bad first date, like yeah. all the time. Because <laughs> when we're nervous on a first date sometimes or a job interview, like it either goes one of two ways. Either we don't know how to talk about ourselves or we talk way too much about ourselves. Right. That's, I think what companies do is like, well, I think I'm great. My mom says, I think I'm great. My dad says, I think I'm great. I don't know why I'm great. And so I can't really tell you why you want me or in what situations. And we want to, I think as organizations, we want to be all things to all people. Yes. Which then means we're nothing to anybody, which we say that and we, okay, yeah, yeah, I get it in theory, but like, no, for real. Why do you hire Joanna Gaines? Like, where is she the guide in your life? Well, she's not the guide in all things of your life. She is the guide for home. But right. that may not be for how to fix your car. And who's the idiot if she's, if the organization tries to set her up as to be the car mechanic? And I, she, you know what I mean? Yes. So when a company, and that's one thing that I've been interested in as I've been doing story brand conversations is like being very, very clear on what the product offering is and ensuring that it truly hits that job. Because when we keep going, in organizations like, oh, but we could do this or we could do this. And it's like, "Mm, you get this, you get this. Okay. I'm going to take it one step further too. Do you think this is a thought that's just coming to me, but do you think maybe too, that our church has done some things to make the person more of the hero? And I'm thinking of things like teaching in the savior's way and Mm. come follow me and things where the church, our church has, they've kind of undone the whole, like, we are the authority and we just spoon feed you the information and more like, no, you figure it out for yourself and then you teach it and you teach your family and you enable yourself to be the one who's like truly deeply learning these things and then offering it to others. Yes. Yes. I love to talk this last conference um, about the For Strength of Youth Guide by Elder Uchtdorf. Yes. I love the talk, period because they talk so much about the power of principles versus rules because a rule-based society is going to be the hero. Like, and we're scared at times about mm-hmm. what our people are going to do. We don't, we don't want them to be the heroes actually, because we're, we're unsure of what they're going to do. But he also has a number of footnotes in that talk that are also so beautiful. And he makes the comment of God is proving that he he wants to trust his covenant people and that he's showing us that he's trusting his covenant people. So how do we step into that differently in saying, wait, I am trusted of God. I get to trust myself. I actually 
it is my responsibility to to have this dialogue versus and I don't know if it's a church thing or also a societal thing. We lived in a World War II just how many decades ago that the whole world's physical survival was resting on people obeying the rules. And it couldn't be about an individual. It had to be about the entire world together. So Emily, don't go figure out if you feel like you want to do that process on the machinery to ensure that that boat is working for the Navy or whatever it is, like wherever I'm stationed, I don't really get a lot of options when I'm trying to do something for the greater good in a World War II mindset because the whole world is at stake. Mm-hmm. Now we're decades and generations past that where the conversation is flipping to say, actually, it does need to be about you and God. It does need to be how you trust yourself, which is a similar I mean, so many worlds are saying that yoga is saying that, but like, how do you do it in a community sense with a anchored God? I think is an interesting, interesting dialogue. Yeah. So now to ask you, why, why is this fulfilling to you? Like, what do you get out of it? And why do you enjoy helping people through this process and being a certified story brand guide? That is such a fun question. Because now, because I'm instantly translating it to be like, what's my job that I hired StoryBrand for? Yeah. <laughs> me personally, I think I've gone through, I mean, going back to my personal life, I thought I had, I thought I knew what success was. I think the world tells us that marriage and family and at least marriage or relationship is the ultimate. That's why we have every love song and every Hallmark movie and every whatever because that's what we all feel like. Okay, we're complete once we're in that relationship. When that wasn't my reality, and I also have a deep belief that that I'm enough with God and that I'm not lacking. And so that I didn't... Um, my opportunities are equal to everybody's just because I haven't found a person doesn't mean that God loves or sees value in me any less. And that was a really beautiful process. And I think going through all that, realizing I am the hero of my story, gosh, dang it. (laughs) And that the success definition that I thought I was living by actually was not the success that I was looking for. And that I wanted to re-articulate that. And I had to re-articulate that for it to actually jive with who I know I am internally and eternally. And that it had, I didn't want the exterior tangible problems to be the only problems that I was solving for. Being able to help people truly articulate who they are, what they're trying to succeed in, And then as people are trying to create things around them to help other people be successful in their life, I want to help that be even more clear to help people find guides because I, it was really hard for me to find guides consciously. Thankfully, I had so many that I didn't realize were guides like a Clay (laughs) Christensen at the time or Joanna Gaines. Like I didn't realize that that's what I was doing is trying to find some guides, but I just love helping individuals, but also organizations articulate more of who are you? What do you have to offer the world? Because I believe everybody does have something powerful to offer the world. 
I love, love, love helping people grow into that because it's been the greatest source of freedom for me to have key people in my life do different, help me over different speed bumps or hurdles or mountain slopes to be like, oh, that's who I am. Oh, that's what I can accomplish. And I, I so want to give back to that to individuals and organizations because, and somebody asked me once like, well, then why don't you just do it as people and like executive coach or go into therapy? People pull organizations. We buy things all the time because we're so anxious for, to make progress. I think that is so thrilling to be a part of a, the conversations where we as organizations are actually creating things that better people. Yeah. So if someone's listening to this and I know that part of the advice is like, read the book, the story brand, but if they wanted to get even just like an exercise or a little bit of a clearer vision, what are some of the things you start out with, with people when you work with them? For companies, I, my very first question is like, what is your one business model? Like, what is your product offering? And yes, so you may have minor pieces, but like, what is really the thing that you offer? And why? Like, what job, what product, like, what problem are you actually helping people solve? Mm-hmm. And being more and more clear, which is really tricky because we all become accustomed to the language that we've used. And so letting go of past language and it's a constant evolution to be like, oh, that's deep. Okay. We're actually deeper than that. Oh, they're actually the, so it's this constant development. Like for today, let's all get on the same page of like, what is it that you offer and what are the problems that actually will solve people for in people's lives? And then I also think a huge part is lining up with the understanding that we are guides. Why do we have the authority and how do we show up approachable and constantly playing with that balance of you can't be too approachable. It can't be too authoritative, but you've got, but you've got to show up as both. So those, those I think are key, key pieces. I also think defining what success is like, where will this product actually take somebody? Like it has to overcome this problem, but just because they overcame it now they're like, where does it actually take them in the long run? So those are the four products, the problem how to be a guide and success. Okay. But that's, that's a, a lot. That's a lot. I yeah. know, shoot. So, so okay. I mean, luckily you're you are offering this as a service to people where you can you can hire Emily to be your guide. You you can hire me or there's multiple guides all over the world. But I think really getting clear on the problem and, and the product and why you're what problem you're helping people accomplish in life and how your product truly helps them would be the first two. Yeah. Is that, that more yes. Okay. No, it's great. That's that's great. I just remember when you and I very, very first started talking about this and you said, okay, yeah, buy the book and it'll take a couple days to get to your house from Amazon. But in the meantime, just go watch a Star Wars movie. And oh, like, yeah. What? That was a good, that's a good homework. What? Do that. Why is she telling me to do that? But okay. And I watched it. And then as soon as I read the book, I was like, oh, it was fresh on my mind. That story just fell right into place with the principles that the book taught. And it was like, this makes so much sense. But okay, still, then delete, delete the other things I said. No, 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 no. Go no, no. watch Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was that was so helpful for me as an exercise to just be ready for that information and to have it all like fall right into place and not mm. be like fuzzy on the details, but really have it fresh in my mind so that it all made so much sense. And I tell my team all the time, we are not Skywalker or Yoda. We are not the hero. Right. We have to help people feel like, oh, I didn't have to look up all those deals or I didn't have to go through right. literally 7,000 things that Nordstrom just put on sale. We did it for them. And it's instead going to take them three minutes to glance through our blog post and just get the three things that they really wanted on sale. And the things, one thing that I love that you didn't ask for this, but one thing that I've loved is that I may have so many things on the back of my to-do list of things that I'm like, mm, yep, a pair of new boots or whatever. Like, oh yeah, someday I want to buy that thing. Your emails and text messages are so great because it reminds me, because some of them are like, okay, no, that's not what I'm, but every once in a while, it's like, oh my gosh, that's on the back of my to-do list. So back that I forgot about it, but that's right. I totally want this. Thank you. I'm going to go grab it. Oh, thank you, Emily. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I just have so enjoyed working with you and learning from you. And this the idea of Story Brand has been so eye-opening for me because I felt like for so many years, I kept hearing over and over, write a mission statement. You have to, you know, once you have that, you have everything. But it it never really all clicked and fell into place until I read that book and started working with you. So I've just really loved hearing even more of your perspective today and your experience. And so last question, if there's one message that you want people listening to this to remember, what do you want that one message to be? I deeply believe that each one of us have something that nobody else has. And Mm -hmm. that one of life's greatest opportunities is to to step into that even in the unknown articulation of it but like what is it that only I get to offer the world right here right now there is no part of me that doesn't believe that about people and I so deeply wish that we all could have those glimpses and trust that and lean into it that's a beautiful answer Thank you so much, Emily, for everything that you've shared. Where can people find you if they want to follow along and learn from you or hire you as their story brand? Probably the easiest is just Instagram. It's Snyder EM and DM me because I do lots of random things. And so I don't have a specific spot for this. So happy to just help in all the ways. Okay. Well, we'll put that in the show notes. And thanks again so much for doing this today. Of course. Of course. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.